You are listening to the Her Money Matters podcast, episode 70. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempel, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. Oh my word, I cannot believe this is episode 70, but yet here we are. So I want to give you a big thank you for listening, for your feedback, and for being a part of this community. It makes it amazingly special. And of course, this can't happen without you. I mean, seriously, who would want to do a podcast and then no one listen to it? It just wouldn't feel very good. I'm excited in this episode to share with you my next friend. She's a dear friend of mine, and I know you will absolutely love her. In this particular episode, you will learn the importance of what she refers to as mental energy and what exactly it has to do with your money. She's going to share her three money maxims and why she leads her life with them. And she's going to share a story about what Tupperware had to do with her learning about the stock market. And that is a really good story. So stay tuned for that. So let me share with you about Krista Wells. Dr. Krista Wells, she is a PhD holder, is a certified career and life coach specializing in working with people in transitions. She helps her clients find their passion, increase their income, and create healthy relationships. And as you hear her speak, you'll see why she's so good at this. So let's go ahead and meet my friend, Krista Wells. Welcome, Krista Wells, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, I need to tell the Her Money Matters community we know each other. We're we're actually friends, and I'm excited to have you because, one, you're just a fantastic human being, and two, you have a different experience being a career and a life coach that I think is going to shed some light because one thing that I noticed when I talked to you asked me for sometimes for advice about money, but yet... I learned so much from you, from your tips about money and all that stuff. So I'm really pumped to have you on the show because I know you have a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of nuggets to give. Oh, thank you so much, Jen. And I feel the same way about you. Oh, thank you. So you ready to dive into the questions? I am. Perfect. So let's start off with how you grew up around money. I want to hear more about your money story. Okay. I grew up, I feel like my parents, I was really blessed because my parents gave me a lot of knowledge about money growing up. And I feel like it's so different when I was growing up from today. Like when I was growing up, I grew up middle class and I had a lot of chores and I had a lot of things that I had to do around the house to contribute financially and mow the lawn and, you know, vacuum out my parents' cars and little things. But it really taught me that you had to save up. We got an allowance for doing chores. And in today's world, I have four young children and I don't see us talking as much about money with our children or teaching as much as my parents taught me about money. So that's something that I would like to be more aware of and carry on that tradition with my own children. That's beautiful. And that's great because it is just so 
granted with growing up, we have one experience and we want to give this different experience to our kids where we just have to be mindful of it, which um, you definitely, I, I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. No, we, we all are. It's a work in progress. I'm working on it too. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the best money advice that you've received. Okay. Now I thought you would think that this was, I was joking, but some of my best advice has been from you and you might <laughs> laugh at that, but it's really true. I tried to think of something else besides you because I thought, well, I'm not selling Jen, but oh, you're so um, I have to say that I loved the advice that you had given me and it was a few years ago, but they, and I'll share some overall of my money principles later in the show. But what I wanted to say was two tips that stood out for me that I actually got from Jen were real simple, but I feel like when things are easy to do, they're also easy not to do. So the first one was to implement an automated savings plan. I had no savings that I had access to. Um, I had some some money in stocks and things like that that I would have to, or in my home, but that's hard to liquidate for little emergencies. So I didn't have what I call a liquid emergency fund. And what I started doing was I started taking a percentage of my paycheck every month and putting it right automatically into savings. And strangely enough, I did not miss this money because I was still focused on my balance in my checking when I was looking, you know, to pay bills and do things like that. And slowly, I would say it was like six months later, I was like, wow, I have a good chunk of savings here. And it came in, you know, it comes in handy when something breaks on my car or there's just an unexpected bill. Um, so I really love that tip. And the second tip was to be, just become a more mindful shopper. Um, a lot of times I realized that I would be like at Marshall's looking around and having a coffee and really enjoying the experience. But I didn't really need the on-sale shoes. Like, I didn't need them. I just wanted them. <laughs> but I thought, my savings, it's kind of fun to be growing it. So I would look at the shoes, and let's say they were $39. I would just deposit that money right into my savings account. And I would tell myself, you know what? In a couple months, if you really are still thinking about the shoes, like, there's still going to be another pair of shoes out there. And oftentimes, I wouldn't even miss what it was that I gave up buying immediately for having that feeling of a little bit more cushion with my savings. Um, so those are two things that I did that you gave me both of those oh tips goodness. and I'm still doing them today. <laughs> and it's been a couple of years. So that's great. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Oh, thanks for sharing that. That I think that makes me blush a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say you do well with money? Because one thing actually I have learned from you, I mean, you are a mother of four kids. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you have, to, I mean, you have to manage money well. But one thing that I learned from you that I think is really important in the whole in having financial success or success with your money, there, yes, you have to be able to, you have to have the money skills. Yes, the mindset is, is a piece. But one thing that I have learned from you is the clutter around you and not necessarily like boxes in the house, but just decluttering your mind, decluttering things around you, because that's blocks you from doing other things such as uh, managing your money better or getting a hold of your money mindset. So Tell me about what you do with what you do well with money. I, I digress, but I had to share that. No, no, no. That's that's really true, and I feel that decluttering is a great first step for people that are trying to manage their money better. And what I notice is when I'm decluttering my kitchen and I'm taking things out of my kitchen that I haven't used in six months, without blaming myself or being a should, I'll say, okay, I'm noticing I'm not using these as seen on TV gadgets. So the next time I go to buy one. 
I think twice because I think, well, I've just donated three or four things from my kitchen that I haven't used in a couple of years to Goodwill or to savers. And as I'm giving it away, I'm thinking to kind of without, you know, I feel like we should never beat ourselves up, but I feel like, you know, think about what you're giving away. Like I noticed my boys were only needing one turtleneck because they only skied a couple times in the winter. So I don't need to buy a lot for next year. So it's just kind of a general awareness of what you're getting rid of, what you haven't used in six months. And as you're purging and getting rid of things, you can become a more mindful shopper. And then the other thing I think that I do well in terms of just an overall strength of mine with regards to money is having a balance between saving, investing, and I consider investing to also be like with your savings. So a saving investment, my, you know, a, a third of my mental capacity is with that saving investing, or if you're investing, not using principal, that to me would be that lump, you know, all lumped together with savings. And then you're spending and then you're and you're earning money and then you're donating money. So it's like the three components to me, um, being able to have those three things work together uh, simultaneously. I think that's really important to have kind of a balanced approach. So a lot of people say to me, my clients say, but Krista, I don't make a lot of money. So I don't I can't donate or I can't um, give away money yet. Or like I have some young clients that are just out of college and they have their first job and they're still living at home and their goal is to move out from mom and dad's. But I said, you have to remember that if you have a third of your mental energy is into giving, it can really help. And if you don't have the cash to give, then I say do volunteer work or mm-hmm. get into that giving mode because as you begin donating money, um, great things start happening. A lot of my clients even end up getting jobs that pay more through their volunteer work. And that's not why you do it. You really do it because I think the more you give, the more you receive. And it's just a flow of money that works really well. And when I'm giving away more time and energy into volunteer work and donating to, you know, it could be tithing, it could be non-religious, it could be an organization that you really care about. But I feel that when you're putting a percentage, like maybe 10% of what you're making back into something that aligns with your values that you really care about, it creates a flow. It shows the universe that you trust more is coming because you're giving. I love that. And I think it's, and you really pointed something out that I think is important that especially when people say, but I don't have the money to give, is starting off with some volunteer work because that's a form of giving. And then once you do that, that things will work out. You know, eventually you'll, once you do that and start giving back, I think you will be able to find that money because it's just a matter of prioritizing. It's a matter of what's going on in your mind at the moment because sometimes we have the money, uh, we just think we don't have it. Yeah, and it could be just 10% of your time or 10% of your earnings. So if you're not earning a lot, just think about 10% of whatever that amount is. And I believe that if you look at your finances and give back, donate 10% to something that you care about over six months' time, I feel like you'll see the earnings grow because we can't become prosperous just from saving and just from giving. Um, So we have to kind of that's why I say it's a three-tiered. I, I call it the that. money maxims, like three money <laughs> maxims. And one is to develop that saving mindset, but that's only one. And then the right. other two are, you know, to make money work for you, to earn more money. And then the third is the giving. So I it's just that. one third. I love that. That is beautiful. 
And what would you say? So you do amazing, you know, those are some things that you do well with money. How about the challenges? We all have some sort of challenge around money. What is yours? Would you say? I would say that my biggest challenge with money is that even though I do well with savings and I do well with investing and I really believe in creating a long-term investment strategy with short-term consideration um, and then also the giving, I feel like one of my challenges is that as my finances have grown, I feel like there's a little bit of perception of money that can be negative. So like I'll still think of, I'll catch myself thinking, I don't want to read the book by the woman that owns Facebook. I had like a resistance to reading that book because I thought, well, it's her life's so easy and she has a nanny and, you know, and I had this, these negative feelings towards being a successful mom mm-hmm. or to being rich. I thought, you know what, if I really ask myself, there's some negative feeling there. And I had to really, I'm continuing to work in this area, but to feel like, there's nothing wrong with being a working mom. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy and to have not have any negative associations with that, not to have negative associations with improving my sales skills. I used to kind of feel like, oh, this, this person sounds cheesy and this, you know, oh, they're just selling and they don't care about me. And now I thought you can care and you can charge and you can reach a broader audience. And that's all a really good, positive thing. So I had to let go of that negative feeling of like rich, successful moms aren't in tune with their children type of feeling that I was having in the past. Right. And do you think and reflecting back to how you grew up, do you think that there was some sort of impact there from how you grew up around money? Or do you think that's just something that has occurred over time. What it do you could think? be my mom was a stay home mom and she was very involved in things like junior league. And, um, she was very, you know, my, I have two younger sisters that are much younger than me. So she spent a long time raising me and then raising two, um, of my younger sisters over a huge span of time. Um, and she was in the, you know, a counseling field and didn't go back into work, decided to just stay home with the kids. But I think it was also my own stuff, like my own, looking around and kind of feeling like the working moms weren't spending enough time with their kids. And then the stay home moms weren't contributing enough because I almost Mm -hmm. had a negative view of my mom just be like just being home kind of a feeling. And then I thought, well, I'm perfect because I'm working part time and I'm home with my kids. But what I was finding myself feeling was I'm not giving my all to my kids and I'm not Uh giving my all to my career. So instead of feeling like it was this perfect balance, I thought, well, I only see clients on Thursday nights, but I feel like every fun school event is happening on Thursday nights. And so I still wasn't feeling satisfied. So I realized that it wasn't the grass is always greener. I had to change my negative associations and my negative thinking and be like, wow, I'm really blessed to be at, have a flexible schedule and be at some of the school events. But it's also great to tell my kids, Hey, mommy has to go give a speech this weekend. And I'm so sorry, I'm going to miss your game, but this is really important work to me, which I just did this weekend. And I felt a little bit pulled, but I felt like this is, it felt right. It finally felt right. It wasn't like a feeling that I had in the past where going out, leaving your children to go make money is a bad thing. It just felt like a win-win. Right. And I've, I've struggled with that too, because I do the same where I work, well, I work from home and, but it is a struggle because with being an entrepreneur, the and especially working from home, the hours aren't necessarily nine to five. Sometimes you have to get it in when you have to get it in. And then I do as well struggle with that guilt 
uh, especially if it's in the afternoons and I have to get something done because the afternoons for me, like once the kids get home, that's the time with them. And it sometimes doesn't work that way. Uh, so I de- but I like, but like you, I definitely have to shift my mind and remember that I have the flexibility. I've been able to do what I wanted to do from the get go to be at home, to be able to be volunteer at the kids' school, to be able to go on those field trips, to be able to be there when they get home. Those things that I didn't necessarily have. And, you know, of course, my parents did the best they could and I respect that, but that was just something that I wanted to do. So I, I love that you share that. How about your favorite money quote? Well, my favorite money quote, I guess, would be from my dad because he, like I said in the beginning of the show, he was very uh, influential with me with regards to, um, he was a personal investor and he really taught me a lot about his business. But when I was like, I want to say 14 or 15, when I just started working, I worked at a daycare center and I worked as a, um, like a prep chef in a kitchen, Mm -hmm. getting shrimp cocktails all ready on the (laughs) plates and things like that. And I worked a lot of part-time jobs and I remember coming home with my paycheck and my dad, so this is the quote from my dad. He would say, do you want me to cash this check and give it to you now as cash? Or do you want me to double it and give it to you next year for your college spending money? And so I didn't realize it at the time. I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. I want to go buy this Aerosmith cassette tape. (laughs) 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 But, um... I'm, you know, everyone knows my age now, but I didn't realize it, but he was really teaching me about delayed gratification and even about the law of compounding interest. And I don't know any bank today that pays a 50% um, interest rate, but I mean, for my kids, it's something that you could do for your kids. You can tell your kids, Hey, like I give my kids little, like if they clean the room, I give them a little um, ticket. And then I tell them that they can get an ice cream with the ticket in the summer when we're at, we go to a pool club that has ice creams. And I, you know, I could say like, do you want I can do the same thing just by teaching the principal. And it's really about, do you want this money now or do you want it to sit in savings? And then my dad also showed me, like, if you put, you know, a dollar into this fund, like when you're retired, you know, I was like 20 years old. And then he's like, when you're 50, you know, 59 years old or whatever, this is like $150,000 if you look at the compounding interest. So it was something that he taught me right away and then was doing it. I don't think he put those paychecks into any kind of fund. You know, he was just doing it for me, but it was teaching me that. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Your small, tiny little paycheck can grow if you put off spending. So I thought that was just a really good lesson. And the question reminded me, I should do this with my kids when they get a little bit older. (laughs) That's awesome. And so is that, would that be your best money memory or do you have another money memory that you would want to share? Well, another memory that I have was he actually taught me about the stock market and a lot of my friends in college and, you know, now I'm in my 40s, like they don't know, they don't really understand the market. And my dad explained it in such a simple way. You know, he spread Tupperware across my dining room table. And I mean, he had like the large Tupperware and he had little Tupperwares in it. And he was showing me that these are the different shareholders. And then he put quarters inside of the containers. And he was like, okay, so if you buy this part of this company, you're going to get paid a dividend. And he was like, so you would have like this quarter. And he would show me how when you're putting your money into these different companies, and then he would say, okay, this one flopped because it made rotten burgers and it went out of business. And then this one, you know, 
combined with this business and he put like two Tupperwares together and he's like, these two companies merged and now it's worth double and look at all this money you're getting. And he did this whole like demonstration on my dining room table. And I feel like not that many people had some, you know, be like I was in high school and he was already saying like, do you want to put your money in a mutual fund? And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's 30% high risk and 30% regular and 30% like long-term growth. And he explained to me that you would want to invest in companies that you care about. So at the time I loved these Forenza jeans and he was like, so you might want to invest in the company. I think it was limited that made those. So he said, you want to be, if you like something and you know, we invested back in the day in Apple, because he was like, I love the new Apple phone. I love Mm -hmm. that. He's like, I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Let's let's invest in Ben and Jerry's because we would drive up to Vermont and eat the ice cream. And my sisters and I were convinced that this was the best ice cream (laughs) in the world. And no one had ever heard of Ben and Jerry. And my dad's like, let's invest just a little bit of money into it. So that was just a huge money memory because it was, we were always talking about things like that. And what is it that your dad did? Uh, What was his career? He was first in the newspaper business and then okay. sold sold the newspaper business and went into just investing. So he would yes, like buy wondering. you know buy condos and sell them for for you know get the rental money from. Uh, he had several properties where he was getting rental money, and then he had a lot of the money that he was making from the rentals, putting it in the market. That's wonderful, and what a great! I love how he explained that to you because sometimes, especially with investing, it gets just the jargon itself. And you're just like, woof, that just went over my head or just being able to talk in a simplistic approach and just demonstrating it how he did was just is just fantastic. So I love that story. How about your best money decision? I guess my best money decision besides, um, you know, following that three tiered approach of, you know, kind of thinking, well, some money you need in savings, some money you need investing, and some money you need you know, to be working for you. But I feel like the best decision that I ever made was purchasing my first real estate decision. And I have to say this with, I work a lot with military families and I don't always think, even though this was my best decision, I don't always think it's best to buy a a property unless you're going to be in an area for like 10 years I agree. and you know with that. But for me, it worked out very well to, I bought my first condo, I was really young and I sold it six years later for double the amount that I had bought it for. So for me, that was a good financial decision. But I have to say that if you look, if I looked back at my process, what was good about my process, I think of buying a condo in my 20, early twenties was I got a little bit lucky with choosing an up and coming location, but I also feel that I bought a condo that was in very bad shape aesthetically, but I could see it had great potential. Like it had views, it had a nice, um, like it was a nice size. And I kind of had vision um, for like ripping out all the pet stained carpets and applying a new color of paint. And I planted beautiful plants out on this small little patio garden. Mm-hmm. And I think I instantly really increased the property's value because it was in such bad shape. So I would say if you're buying your first property, not to think about how it looks in terms of things that are easy fixes. And then I considered having like I really had a vision, even though I was young, I thought I need to live in a place that could mature with my age. So at the time I was in Southern California and some of the more popular places to live in your twenties were like 
Pacific Beach and Ocean Beach. And the town that I ended up buying in Del Mar was a little bit older people. But I feel that I had vision to know that that's where property would grow more. And I also knew my price point was different. What I could afford was different than what I qualified for. So I did my research. I hired a really reputable professional, which I think is important to have like a good financial advisor and a good real estate agent. I feel that we, if you don't have experience in that, it's worth the money to pay somebody else that understands the buying process and can help you with things that you might not see because you're not a professional. And I was really firm with her. I told her like, I don't want to spend over 150,000. I don't want, I want to be in a safe location. I want, you know, I looked at so many places. So after she had shown me everything and I began the process of purchasing it right, you know, right away I started improving it with these easy things like paint and plants and recessed lighting, which really changes up a place. Right. Um, and then I repeated that a couple times. So when I sold that place, I reinvested the, you know, it had, I had sold it for double. So that money that I had sold it for, I put into another house and I did the same thing. I bought the worst house in the street and fixed the paint, fixed the recessed lighting, fixed the you know, the landscaping. So I feel like when you do those things, it works. But I've also seen people, if you're not going to be in an area, like I knew I was going to be in this area for at least six years. I was going to get my doctorate and it was four-year doctoral program and then two-year working after that. So I knew I was going to be in the area for a while. And then when we moved to Connecticut, unlike some military families, I knew we were going to stay in the area for quite a while. So it was easier for me to make that real estate investment. And for families that I work with, Sometimes I'll say to them, it's better to invest your money in the market and just rent. Mm. So even though it was a good decision for me, I kind of try to look at my client situation and really think about their lifestyle. And for me, I feel like it made sense to invest in a large home because I have four young children and we're going to be there for 20 years. Whereas some other clients, I'll kind of try to direct them in a different um, way that makes sense for them. Right. And one thing that you said that really uh, struck home for me, because I did, I sold real estate for, I don't know, about three years. And um, one of the things that I noticed was what you said, uh, there's a difference in what you can afford versus what you qualify for. And that's something that I struggle with when I was working with clients was some of these clients were uh, pre-approved for more than what really they could afford. So it was just really having that conversation um, and making sure that uh, they understood that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yes. And I just bought a new house about a year ago. And what I did was when I was looking at houses to buy, I asked the real estate agent to give me a copy of like the heating bills and the, um, you know, I looked at the size of the yard and I asked my we don't do our own lawn, but we had a landscape guy tell us how much it would be to take care of that lawn. Because I thought, I want to know how much it is, you know, for the taxes to heat the house, to take care of the lawn, because a bigger house is bigger monthly bills as well. So it's something to consider when you're, um, you know, I feel like it's better to live a little bit lower than your means, Mm -hmm. but at the same time to think about your lifestyle and to live your life. Like my dad, who was so wonderful with money, passed away when he was 69. And I thought there's Mm -hmm. a part of me that feels like you can't take the money with you. So if you invest it in your home and it is affordable, it's also, you know, you you have to live your life as well. So it's that balancing act. Absolutely. I can't agree more with you. Well, this has been wonderful, Krista. As you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? 
her money matters because? I would say her money matters because her lifestyle matters. And we want to be thinking about our lifestyle. And when I think about my lifestyle, I think about I want to have a lifestyle where I'm not stressed and I have money in savings. I want to have a lifestyle where I can be home with my kids and my money's working for me. I want to have a good lifestyle where I'm giving back and contributing and making donations to organizations that I really care about and you know, putting money into things that matter to me. I love that. That is beautiful. I love that you bring out lifestyle just because sometimes I think we get so stuck in the nitty gritty of I have to save, I get, uh, have to get out of debt. And you're so focused and you, you know, uh, people just tend to really cut so much that is not realistic and they don't consider how they want to live their life and their lifestyle. They don't really, because they're just so, their mind is just so focused and on getting out of debt or, oh, I have to have the savings that we forget about the big picture as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, Krista, this has been great. I really appreciate your time and um, being with me today and sharing all the good stuff that you did because it was fabulous. Thanks so much. It was great to be here. So what did you think? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed chatting with Krista. I do have a takeaway I want to share with you, but as usual, I want to do a quick shout out. And this week, the shout out goes to Vanessa B. Uh, She is a listener of this podcast, a member of our free community over on Facebook. And she recently shared with us that she has paid two out of her three credit cards. And that is amazing. And she's currently working on paying her third. That is one of her goals by the end of 2016. So I just want to congratulate you, Vanessa. You're doing such a great job. I enjoy you sharing in our community and just getting to know you. You are just a very pleasant, very energetic person in there. So I love having you in there. Now, for the takeaway that I had, I'm sure you probably had some similar or some others, but for me, uh, in my chat with Krista, it was her share on her money maxims. And it was more in particular the giving part, because when we think of giving, we think of tithing, we think of it having to be monetary. And sometimes we get stuck because maybe we don't at the moment, maybe our our money situation is very uh, tight. And I love how she mentions that it can start with volunteering. It can start with donating some clothes or some things that you're not using. And that is a way of giving. And what I love about that is that just taking these actions, whether volunteering, uh, donating clothes or other items, it will help you in your mind create this abundance dense mentality because you are doing something great, you are doing something good, and it alleviates that if you're having those thoughts of we don't have that money, uh, money's or life is tough, just that sense of being able to give and contribute and help someone else will help limit or minimize that. So it's okay if at the moment there's no monetary donation that you can give, but you can do those other things. Uh, because, and then also what it also helps as far as abundance, besides minimizing those thoughts, it also allows us 
to think of the possibilities, right? So we were, yes, we maybe we're in a tight financial situation. We can't give monetarily, but I can give my volunteer hours, you know, 10% of my time or, or uh, giving those donations. But it gives us that sense of there's other possibilities. So it opens our mind. And in terms turn, we're able to look our, at our money in a different way. So that will motivate us to do other things, uh, to manage our money better, to maybe find some extra dollars in there that you didn't think you had before and be able to give those that that money, uh, donate that money, whether tithing at church, whether an organization, whatever that may be. So I thought that was good. And I know maybe I also want to note that she mentioned how this will allow you to share with, she used, I believe the word, a universe that you know something's, you know you've got more coming, right? So maybe that's a little woo-woo and, and, and that's completely okay. But what the point I'm getting at here is that Yes, it allows, that's really the abundance mentality, right? So you know that you're prepared for more to come. You know you're not limited in what you can receive. And it also shows your confidence and increases your confidence. And I think that is so important to have. And also, I wanted you to note that even as as I was talking about woo-woo, there's a power of what you allow, uh, there's a lot of power in your brain. So that what you allow your mind to think and what happens for you. So for instance, a classic example is the Monday morning where you start off, you spill your coffee and you blame it on being on a Monday. And well, this gives more space for more to happen. And then something else goes wrong and it trickles down throughout the day and things continue to go wrong, right? That's That can happen. But what if you shrug it off and thought to yourself, well, I spilt my coffee, no biggie, but how am I going to make this rest of the day amazing? So that shifts how your mentality, at least for the day, (laughs) or at least for the next hour. So you got to check in, make sure you're still thinking about that. But just thinking that and saying that out loud and really believing that, uh, that you can make the rest of the day amazing and just think think about the words that you're using, right? So when you're thinking, how am I going to make the rest of the day amazing? It lights you up. It puts a different mood in you uh, than you, when you think, oh, I spilled my coffee and oh my goodness, uh, the kids aren't you know, getting out of bed. We're going to be late for school and all those other things, right? So I just want to challenge you to think about that because I think with that, it will shift your thinking, it'll shift, it'll open your mind to the possibilities, not just in your money, but in just your life in general, because it all really coincides. It's kind of like a domino effect, if you will. So I just wanted to share with that. Uh, and in the Facebook group, if you're not in there, share, you know, join us. That's at jenhempill.com forward slash community and share with us uh, your thoughts on this as well. 
Now, if you're thinking, well, yes, I can, you know, I can volunteer. Uh, yes, I can donate clothes or other items, but you're really wanting to donate more monetarily, but you just don't know what's going on with your money. You don't know what you have to work with and you don't know what you don't have to work with. A good start, especially if you don't have a budget in place and you don't know exactly where your money is going is to grab my Jumpstart Your Money Mini Guide. It's free and you can grab it over at jenhemphill.com forward slash mini guide. And what the mini guide will do in a very simple approach, because I'm all about keeping things simple and not overcomplicating it, is I'm going to take you through a an exercise to get you clear as to where all that money is going. Uh, because sometimes that's where people get stuck and where people don't want to start because they're overwhelmed. So I'm going to walk you through it, not just in the mini guide, but there's actually an an episode that goes along with the mini guide where I walk you through that. So that is a wrap. Thanks. I want to thank Krista for joining us and sharing all that she had to share with us. So um, make sure to go to the show notes at jenhempill.com forward slash 70 and you can see where to connect with uh, Krista and see all the show notes as well. So thanks again for listening. Uh, I'll be sure to talk to you next Thursday.